So how are you? How's life? What are you up to? Where are you? Who are you? Um, I'm good. Thanks. Um, I'm in the Netherlands right now. I'm uh, Raisa. Um, and I'm just really enjoying the summer. For uh, Recent, re, You're at a cabin, aren't you? Or your parents' mm, summer cabin or something like that? Uh, I'm not there right now. But yeah, my parents, they own a beach house. Um, it's It's near. It's like 15 minutes right from me. And um, I spend a lot of time there um, relaxing, doing some work. But um, yeah, I'm not there all the time. Would be fun, but it's it's a really small space and <laughs> I can't get much work, uh, work done there. So so when yeah. you are working in, when you're like in like hustle mode, like where do you work and where do you live? Like what which city and what's your kind of like um, everyday, day-to-day work life actually like? Yeah, I am. Uh, I live in Sandford North, <laughs> really Dutch uh, Dutch name, um, and I live near the coast, which obviously is really good thing for me because I like spending as much time as I can at the beach. Um, it's um, like a really small village, but it's next to um, Amsterdam, so we're close to the city. Um, and I really like living here, and it's where I work from as well. Um, I have like um, a separate room in our house, which is my office, which I work from. But then um, I spend a lot of time um, working from, I don't know, uh, cafes or places from the beach. Um, I drive up to my business partner, Elsa, uh, once a week. So I'm kind of all over all over the place. So you live kind of in a smallish town, not really in the heart of Amsterdam. No. Do you kind of have a chill lifestyle? Like, is, do you live in a village or like, how would you describe the town you live in? Yeah, it's it's a village, a town. It's, it's quite slow. Although I think you can say uh, for the Netherlands, and I think it's the same in Sweden, that the countries like in a whole, are quite fast. So everything, the lifestyle is not that slow, but it's definitely slower here than it would be in Amsterdam. Um, And for me personally, I like to take things slow. So I do practice uh, yoga. I go to the gym during office hours and I just, um, yeah, try try to take it easy. So that is my impression of you from afar. Um, that like you kind of do have like a slow living lifestyle, if that's accurate to say, but at the same time, you've got lots of stuff on the go. Um, so how do you balance the two or do they just kind of live code, like codependently in the sense that you do have a slow lifestyle, but it's balanced by hustling with all the other things that you're doing with your career? I, I think the slow life has been something from the last couple of months because um, last September I wasn't doing really, uh, really well uh, and I was working too hard. And basically up to that point, I had worked too hard for a few years. Um, so it, it, it isn't like it, it has always been like this. Um, so it, it's definitely new and, and like yoga and going to the beach and really um, winding down uh, really helps me to stay in depth um in that zone and to um, keep taking care of myself but nowadays those two do coexist so i am chill i am relaxed i'm taking it easy but when i work um i think i'm really productive and i know how to prioritize things so i can get a lot of things done in 
less amount of time. And also I learned more that um, outsourcing is the way to go. So, yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you're in a good place right now, but yeah. uh, I just want to kind of back it up a little bit to the, like, why don't you take us through how did you get too busy? Like, it sounds like last September might've been a breaking point yeah. for you. Uh, yeah. Sounds like it turned out good that you had that yeah. moment, but why don't you like back it up for us yeah, a little I'm bit really, to uh, like, <laughs> how did you get, how did you get busy <laughs> and, and what were yeah, you busy how with? How did I get busy? <laughs> I was busy with shooting weddings and then also uh, starting up my second company. Um, and I think I always have been somewhat of a workaholic. So um, I've been working since I was 14, probably. Not as hard as I do now, of course. But um, yeah, I always have been someone who um, goes after the things um, I want. I work hard for the things um, I want to achieve. And I, yeah, I kind of went too far in that. So because I was so passionate and I had such a clear vision of what my life uh, should look like or what I wanted it to look like, that I just went on and on and on and I was doing lots of weddings. Um, I was then not taking the time to um, relax after them. So I didn't give myself permission to, to wind down and to reload before I went to the next assignment or wedding or the next workday. And I guess if you do that for a, a, a too long of a time, then... Um, you break down a little bit and it wasn't anything really serious but it came to a point where I just scared myself a little bit with how I was feeling and um, yeah just feeling really drowned um, and things like that and then I had a few hard conversations with with friends of mine and with my boyfriend and they gave me really good advice and I think um, those conversation and um, and the fact that um, I um, I noticed it on time meant that I didn't have to take too long to recover. So within a few months, everything was um, better and better than ever before, I guess. Well, it's, uh, it sounds like a blessing and a curse that you got to that point. Yeah. And what I, what I mean by that is there's a lot of people in our, in wedding photography industry who, you know, wish that they got to the point where they needed to slow down. Um, so for you, uh, w like weddings don't fall from the sky and when you want to just work harder to be busier and get more weddings, like sometimes you can feel a little bit lost if you're working by yourself. So like I'm thinking about maybe someone who's like in their first year as a wedding photographer and they live in who knows where it doesn't really matter. And they're like, wow, she sounded like she was so busy. How did she get to that point? So you being kind of like a a thoughtful strategic thinker like in the beginning what did you do to get busy mm, you mean how i got inquiries or that sort of stuff yeah how did you get yeah. how like what did you do before thing before weddings just sort of flowed in a little bit because when you're starting out yeah. they don't i no. mean you need to yeah. work hard to get noticed and get those inquiries to come so what were you doing to work hard when you weren't photographing weddings yeah, um, let me think. I did work hard because I went from six weddings in my first year to 35 in the second year. So um, that growth uh, came quite quickly for me because I noticed that I really liked marketing and it was something I was 
well, naturally good at or good enough at. Um, I was um, doing a lot of social media posting. So I had a strategy for my social media and I posted there every day. Um, I tried to expand my reach through working with people that had a bigger audience than me. So um, some influencers as well. Um, I worked a lot on publications in wedding magazines and online blogs. I went to network events um, and I made sure I had a really um, solid website where all of those people could come and uh, read about me, see my work, and then, uh, well, reach out. So about, like, what year was this when you were kind of getting cracking doing uh, this? And okay. and also, uh, like, were you fresh out of school or did you have another career? Or did you, like, like, like what was the pre-wedding life for you? Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about that. I was actually on my way to, to a, a whole nother career uh, because I was studying law at that time. Um, and I think I'm not really good with the, with the numbers, with the years, but this was six years ago, I guess, six or seven. Um, and I was studying law basically because I didn't know what I wanted to study. So when I... Um, graduated high school I I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life I kind of envied people who did who had such a clear path for their life and just followed that but I didn't um, so I took a, a leap year I um, traveled I worked and um, at the end of the, the year I still didn't know so I just chose something that I thought would be kind of interesting <laughs> And that I could make a good career out of. Because I went to a school which really focused on getting people ready for university. And for jobs like, I don't know, being a doctor or uh, a lawyer or um, uh, or something in research. So I, I had never thought I would um, well, find a career in the, in the creative uh, part. Um, so I was studying law and I picked up photography as a hobby. Um, still didn't think I was going to do anything with it. But slowly but surely, when I um, well, uh, photographed more and started to like it more, um, and I met people that were, that were photographing full-time, that, um, that were making a living, living out of it, I... Well, slowly started to think about it as well, and I yeah saw that I could make a living out of photography and out in the creative world as well. So that's um, that's how that's it came to be. Root. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what like when you what, hearing you say that there kind of um, struck a few similarities with how I felt when when we started uh, wedding photography as well, and like if I were to make a big you know judgment on people who started out around the same time we did and yourself as well, it seemed like there was kind of like this gold rush to get into wedding photography and maybe wedding filmmaking as well, because like it was easy. I don't know if you felt that way, but it, it did seem like, well, it's easy. It's easy to get noticed. It's easy to get attention. Um, and then you kind of take on the, the task, the important task of becoming a, a better photographer after you start getting busy in marketing yourself. Yeah. So I ask you, like, on what end of the spectrum do you feel that you were when you began? Um, were you more of an artist or more of the person who was just good at getting attention and good at getting hired? 
Yeah, I really like that question. Um, I was definitely more on the... Um, well, it's, it's, it's a tough question because I, when you start photography, um, when I started it, I wasn't thinking about the business part. But then when I, when I noticed it, so when I noticed that um, entrepreneurship was a big part of it and marketing was a bit, big part of it, then I um, fully went to that part of the scale. You know what I mean? So maybe it's, it started more on the, on the artist side because I just wanted to create. But then really quickly it went through the other side, um, through the business and the entrepreneur side, um, which it has been for a long time and I think too long actually. Um, it's not that I'm um, not, um, that I wasn't proud of what I was making. Um, I was very happy with it. I'm still very happy with, um, with my style and the pictures I take, but um, I have a tendency towards the, the entrepreneur side of the scale. And that's both a blessing because it got me really far really quickly. But it's also one of the reasons why I worked too hard and um, think um, forgot about the artist in myself at, at one point. So that's so, what I'm trying to uh, balance out right now. <laughs> okay, so that that's probably a good segue into like what your your other company was that you mentioned you had started. And like maybe take us through what that is and what you kind of were doing that made you kind of work hard, work hard and be this, you know, bustling entrepreneur, but less of an artist. Yeah, sure. Um, my second company that I own with my business partner, Elsa, um, it's the Confetti Collective. And it's a Dutch online platform which helps female entrepreneurs reach their business goals and um, helps them create the life they want. So we do that by um, helping them with branding and marketing strategies. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, um, when I was, when we were, um, uh, starting up that company, um, it was, like you said, more about the, the business side and I photographed less, um, which may have been a part of that, that scale flipping a bit through the entrepreneur side, but it, it already was flipping in the, when I was doing photography alone. So it wasn't all that and um, in the end the confetti collective so my other company um, really brings more freedom to the table um, which allows me to um, yeah now be more of an artist and have more freedom within my photography business that's the way I see it so confetti is like would you say it's like a mentoring program or like like how would you describe it and is it only for people from the Netherlands or could like someone from Finland take this program or, or like what, maybe break it down a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Well, the base is this online platform where you can find like uh, free tips, blogs, videos, um, motivational things, um, things like that. Um, it is in Dutch. So uh, people are welcome to join from wherever, wherever they are in the world, but they need to speak, read <laughs> and know Dutch. Um, and then we have multiple products and services. So we do online courses, but we also have um, ebooks. We have a mastermind group uh, throughout the year. So it's both online and offline combined. And how many how many people are participating in this? If you don't mind me asking, or maybe you don't want to answer it. 
Oh, no, sure. I'm, I'm an open book. <laughs> um, well, it depends on which surface you would look at. Um, the online courses, I think we've had around four to 500 participants. Um, we have a few coaching calls a month. So that's more of the, the, the coaching side of it. Um, and then in the mastermind program, it's really small. So it's only eight people. And is this mostly for wedding photographers or just like creatives in general? No, it's creatives in general and even a bit broader than that. So there are also um, um, freelancers following us in other fields. So maybe they're doing something in, in law or beauty salons or anything like that. But uh, people that um, have their own company and work from that. Confetti Collective. Yes. Like, what's next for that? And, and I'm curious because it sounds to me like it's popping and it's doing really well. Um, like, are you going to bust it out to the English community or do you just kind of like want to hold on to what you have there? Um, yeah, it's doing really well. Um, I think for now, we'll keep it to the to the Netherlands. When we started, we actually thought about um, doing this um, internationally. But... Um, yeah, we just figured at, at that point there was nobody doing something like this in the Netherlands. So we took that advantage and um, yeah, really focused on, on that audience. And for now, I think there's still uh, lots of room to grow here. So we're, we're happy. Um, and what is next is that um, we, well, that's more really from, from the business side, is that we um, are looking into... Um, how do you say this, creating better uh, processes so that everything goes more automatically. Um, so basically cutting down our our hours, um, having other people help us and creating more freedom for ourselves, which basically the whole whole company is built around for us, but also for the, for the audience. So automating things so that you can scale it is what it sounds like. So does this, uh, I don't know, like I'm just assuming some things here, so I might be wrong, but it sounds to me like wedding photography is almost becoming your kind of like side thing that you get to enjoy when you do it. Whereas confetti collective is like your bread and butter. Is that yeah, accurate? That's, uh, that's accurate. And that's, um, yeah, it, it, that way it really works well for me because um, I do seven weddings a year uh, where I used to do like 20 up to 30 and I just enjoy every one, uh, every last one to the fullest. And um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's, uh, that is a familiar sentiment that I'm kind of picking up from people in our industry a little bit more. Um, so that leads me to wonder, like, with wedding photography, did you stop viewing it as something that could be like a long-term career and that kind of spooked you? So you need to move on or like, what was your, like, what was your angle there to kind of ease off, ease away from doing so many yeah. weddings? Uh, well, I always, um, already noticed that it wasn't going, uh, going to be a career for like ever, because I think at one point it would just be too heavy for your body <laughs> or, um, I don't know. So I was already aware of that. Um, I was always looking into ways to make more passive income. Um, and yeah, it, it's more about that. I just, um, at some point I wasn't enjoying weddings so much 
uh, as I used to before because of the, in the end, the repetitiveness sometimes and just the the pressure. I'm an introvert, so weddings take uh, quite some energy um, for me. And um, yeah, by doing less a year, I I enjoy them more. And um, does it make sense? So... (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, it totally does. Uh, one like one thing you you said two things that stuck out there, and I'll start with the first one, and that's being an introvert doing weddings, um, especially at the volume you were doing it at. Uh, like one thing that I think I've heard quite a few times and enough times to ask you about it is: Did you ever feel like you had kind of a, a, a feeling of anxiety before weddings? Um, and if you did, how did you handle that? Because I think it's useful for people to kind of hear tricks that other people do to kind of like ease the nerves, chill out a little bit, and then kind of move forward with a wedding day with a, a better, you know, a better mindset. Yeah, I would have loved um, to help with that. But to be honest, I haven't experienced any anxiety before the wedding or during the wedding. Um, so uh, after I did, I did a few, I was quite confident in that. And I just, um, yeah. Didn't have any issues with that. The thing for me is that um, I have to be more outgoing on a wedding day and more, um, yeah, extroverted than I would be um, uh, naturally. So that just costs energy to uh, to be in groups of people and to be um, social all the time, um, especially with with guests. Um, um, so it, it's more about that and more about being drained after the wedding um, than it was about anxiety before. Interesting. Interesting. So you just kind of developed the self-awareness that you're like, I don't want to do that shit. <laughs> I don't want to schmooze all day. No, no, no. I still love it, but just not at the, at the numbers I was doing. It. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. And the other thing that you said there, the second point was um, about like a, like a passive income. Yeah. And when I hear that, in my mind, I'm like, does that actually exist? Because no, in my opinion, and you could call me out and say I'm wrong, but like, in my opinion, like passive income doesn't really exist. You need to still invest so much time and so much effort and into whatever your thing is that is, you know, supposedly passive. So when you say passive income, like, does that exist in your world? And if it does, like, what did you do in the beginning to like get it to a place where you could be passive and still get an income from it. Yeah, I I don't think of passive income as something you don't have to work for. I think, like you say, you have to work uh, quite hard for it. But it's more about um, putting in the hours and then having um, uh, having that for a, a long period of time, bringing in money more or less automatically so there are still hours you have to put into it but um yeah i've i can say i've built up quite um the amount of passive income that comes every month that yes i've put in the work for but um now only takes me a few hours a month to um to uphold so you need to tell us now a little bit about those things. Or or maybe you don't. Like, I guess it's not it's not as interesting, uh, perhaps, like what the things are that are helping you with these passive incomes. But I think what might be more interesting is like, why do you like, why did you choose to like, 
try to get passive incomes instead of investing more time into your wedding photography business, make it a studio or something like that, or invest more time into Confetti Collective, for example? Like, like what made you kind of choose a path of starting more little things that help you get passive income versus putting more time into what you currently had? Yeah, I think it's about um, just the scaling option I chose. So within my wedding photography, um, I wasn't feeling anything for creating a studio out of it because if I wanted to do so, I, I would. And I think uh, I could make it work. But I just, um, well, don't really like that, that, um, that idea for myself. Um, and the things I do um, um, love are, well, it's photography. So I made sure that I could make um, passive income from my photography, from my travel photography, um, so I can do more of that. Um, and um, sorry, what was the, the question again? <laughs> exactly. No, that, I think you kind of like guided the listener into the, the general idea. Yeah, <laughs> it makes and, sense what, yeah. you, what you Oh, yeah, there. I know. I, what I wanted to say is that um, you could scale up by um, having a team or um, well, making a studio out of your uh, business. But um, I really like working for myself um, with my business partner as well, of course. But um, I just don't want an office with all of these people I'm responsible for. I just really want to be free of location. So I want to be able to work from uh, where I want. Um, and to be financial free in a way that if I want to not work for a few months, I can do that as well. And that passive income really helps with that. Absolutely. Um, earlier you, you mentioned that, um, like before you studied law and, and kind of went that route that you kind of had a grand vision for, for what path your career would go down and then the path changed and you're doing what you do now. But it, to me, it seems like you're you're kind of a a, a, a macro thinker, <laughs> if you will, and I, I feel like probably you have some idea what your grand plan is now. Um, do you have kind of like an ideal scenario for where you'll be in a year or five years? Um, I used to have, but um, it and that that may sound odd because I think there are always things you should work towards, but right now I'm at a place where. I just really hoped I would be at one point and I'm already here. <laughs> so um, I kind of struggle with uh, what is next. And uh, well, on the, on the one hand, I struggle. On the other hand, I think I might just, I might as well just enjoy where I'm at and uh, really enjoy that freedom that I've created for myself and um, yeah, grow further in that. And like the restlessness or however you would describe it that you'd mentioned changed last September, like it sounded like a big change happened with your lifestyle and you're in a better place now. Um, you mentioned you do yoga, like what are some other fundamentals that you like make sure you do for you that keeps you kind of in a good, in a better place than you were before? Yeah. So yoga is a big part of it. Uh, CrossFit as well. Um, and I try to eat healthy, so I just take better care of my of my of my body. Um, and then I um, try to take care of my creative diet, which is something I've learned from the last 
way up north, actually. Uh, well, what is a creative <laughs> diet, and why did I not hear this? Where was I? I must have left the you room when they were talking it? about okay. this. Uh, well, Simon Moore was talking about it, and I've heard um, uh, about it from other photographers, but this time, uh, I don't know, it just hit me more than, than it did before. Um, it basically means that as an artist, you should consider everything you're taking in. So every movie you see, every book you read, um, the museums you go to, um, they all um, uh, help creating the things you'll eventually create. So that's the, the input um, and the output will be uh, a certain way because of all the things you put in. So I try to take more time for that, to go to, um, to museums, um, to just um, take walks in the nature, um, just take more time for myself. Sound like, I, I don't know, I get the impression that you like probably were never that influenced um, by the work of others, um, like the actual artistic work of others. And you probably, to me, it sounds like you kind of like plucked business ideas from others more so than their actual work. Um, is that accurate to yeah, say? Yeah, I think that's correct. I think um, within my style, within my photography, I always have been in this sort of bubble. I just know what I want to make, and um, yeah, I'm. You know, I don't. I think you're right. Because I, I, I asked that because I'm thinking about what Cy Moore what I think I heard him say. It's got a very thick accent, but like uh, to love your output, you need to love your input. And I just think that with you, I never, I would never think that your output, your wedding photography output would have been influenced by anybody. So it seems to me like you probably were always the kind of person who was more influenced by a museum versus, you know, someone's blog post on a wedding blog. Yeah, I think that's true, but I wasn't taking enough time to go to the museum and that sort of stuff. So, I guess, okay, we've covered a few things and I'm liking it. I'm liking it. But if like, like, what do you like when you're sitting around having a beverage with buddies? If you drink beer, let's say it's a beer or a glass of wine or a cup of tea or whatever, however you roll. Like, are you a fairly reserved person in general, would you say? Um, yeah, I'm reserved with people I don't know and in bigger groups. But when I'm with um, a small group, people I know, or even when I meet uh, creatives most of the time that share like ideas that I have and um, are kind of at the same vibe or level, then um, I can talk a lot. And I really like to um, um, dive in deep, if you know what I mean. Just yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The the reason I asked that that question is like there's there's something to be said about people embracing uh, what they know about themselves. If you know you're an introvert, embrace it. And if you know that you're the loudest voice in the room, embrace it. So I'm, I'm curious when you started, um, confetti collective, like how did you, how did you uh, like know yourself well enough to put yourself in a position to say, okay, I'm the one who should start this thing that doesn't exist in the Netherlands and I am the one going to do it. And yet at the same time, you're not the loudest voice in the room. So how did you kind of get to the point where you were confident enough to, to put that out there. Yeah, I, I totally agree that you should embrace what you are and just be proud of that and go from there. Um, in the past, I I struggled with being an introvert. So I, I did think that it was something to overcome maybe, like in my younger years in high school. Um, and being a creative, being a photographer and being in this business has 
yeah, well, has made me see that that I should see it, it as a strength. So I still do. And then at the beginning of the Confetti Collective, there were a lot of hurdles to take. So I wasn't comfortable with sharing personal stories online. I wasn't um, comfortable with seeing myself um, on film. Um, I um, certainly wasn't uh, comfortable with speaking in public. And um, um, yeah, just by um, uh, seeing the bigger picture. So it's always about what can we do for people. And um, if I speak up, if I share my story, what um, what can it mean for someone? How can I help them? And by putting that above my own insecurities or my own doubts, um, that helped me to take those steps um, outside of my comfort zone. And then when I started to step out of my comfort zone, I started to really like the uh, the feeling of that. So when I'm scared of things or when I... Um, um, well, I'm insecure about things. I do them anyway. And then afterwards, it feels great. So <laughs> I'll just keep doing that. Yeah, that sounds like the, the winning formula. I can I can attest to that. Uh, just a random thought came to mind. Like, why did you choose to focus on this being a, a, a service, if that's what you want to call it, uh, for females only? Yeah, I... Um... It's not like a feminist thing or anything. Um, it's more about that our ideal client is a woman. And um, we just wanted to communicate so uh, clearly and so uh, niche, I think you would say, um, that we chose to do it only for, for women because um, that just meant we could... Um, have everything look a certain way and have every um, well, talk a certain way. And I think if we had focused on both men and women, we, um, well, that would have meant that it uh, would have to be more and uh, more broader in like a, a style sort of way. So that's why we, why we chose. And also then when we were um, starting the business, we noticed that uh women tend to have other like mindset issues which you come across even though you're talking about marketing and branding you're coming across a lot of mindset issues that men I think don't have or they have them in a lower capacity or um, I don't know maybe other mindset issues but not the things we talk about totally makes sense like like 100% agree with you and I remember speaking to Andrea Lindquist uh, a couple years ago about her her workshops are for females only and it's it's a, it's like a thing i get it and i'm just curious why you did it because it's the same thing as when someone when i meet somebody who's like a vegan or a vegetarian or something i'm always curious okay why it's not like there's zero like positive no. or negative intentions behind the question it's just curious why and that makes sense for you and i wonder would it take you out of your comfort zone to open it up to men and if so, is that something you've thought about doing maybe? Uh, yeah, we thought about doing that a couple of times. Um, on one hand, I w- well, let's uh, first of all, the men are welcome. It's not like we, we boycott them. They can join. They can, um, they can talk to us. <laughs> but um, it's just we don't want to change our style, um, the visuals, the, the way of talking, the things we talk about to attract more men to the business makes sense makes sense so what are you doing lately um 
like i don't know or maybe what are you looking ahead to do next that is going to take you out of your comfort zone again um but maybe have maybe it's a new project maybe it's a new business or something like that like are you have anything in in mind that might take you out of your comfort zone again and and does that kind of excite you to do well i do it's speaking at wave north later this year <laughs> uh, that's that's uh, that's, the, that's that's the next yeah. big thing that will take me out of my comfort zone for sure okay okay i guess i should have steered you a little <laughs> more specifically because i wasn't i wasn't trying to like talk about way up north i was actually thinking like what i was actually thinking about is like okay you mentioned that your lifestyle now includes things yeah. like yoga things like crossfit um like something like that is that a direction you see maybe your career going into these new interests um no not sure i i don't think so i'll i think i'll just um uh, enjoy photography for for a long while i hope and a confetti collective um the things that i do look forward to and are like bigger projects in my life is that um next year september next year uh, me and my boyfriend will take a, a, a big trip of six or seven months so we'll be working from abroad for that time so uh, well, yeah it's really exciting. exciting and that's uh, also a big thing we're working towards right now that's I mean, that's awesome and hence wanting to automate things yeah, a little sure. bit more yeah. <laughs> all right well look i think we've covered a lot if people didn't know you before this i hope that they know you a little bit better now um and we're very excited that you're coming all the way up to sweden in the fall that'll be fun yeah me too and i just wanted to say thank you for that thanks for the opportunity i think it's a really big honor to be on this podcast and to be speaking there so yeah thanks well, it's nice of you to say, but the uh, the honor is ours, and we're we're happy that you agreed to take part in our little bubble, and uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. No stress. Don't stress about this. If this is stressing you out, I don't know. <laughs> it's easy for me to say, maybe, but no, <laughs> I'm excited, <laughs> and I'll try. And uh, yeah, there will be nerves, but uh, it will be fine, and I think it'll be great. It'll be a cozy little gathering. There's nothing nice. to worry about. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, you go enjoy your day and uh, thank you so much for, uh, for giving us the time yeah, to chat enjoy with you. Yeah, enjoy and uh, thanks so much. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Hey lady, it's Terry here. And Dr. Dom. And we're the hosts of the Her Space Podcast. In a world where Black women are often underrepresented and misunderstood, we need more safe spaces to just be. Every Friday, join us as we initiate authentic conversations for Black women. Be sure to tune into Season 4, Episode 11, The Four Levels of Friendship and How to Spot Fake Friends. And check out Her Space wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.